0: Every 62 minutes, at least one person dies as a direct result from an eating disorder. That's basically every hour. Every hour, someone has struggled so profusely with mental illness that it has resulted in them losing their life. But today's Women of Impact refused to be one of those statistics. And even while lying in a hospital bed at terrifying weight of just 56 pounds, unable to walk from anorexia, she refused to let the doctors be right when he told her parents to plan her funeral. She refused to allow this to be the end of her story. So she fought and she slowly took herself from the hospital bed to trying food she hadn't eaten in over seven years. But sadly, her recovery was actually short-lived. And no, she actually didn't relapse. Like Tarzan, she swung hard in the other direction and her healthy weight gain quickly led to gaining 30 pounds a month due to daily binging. By the time she tipped the scale at 221 pounds in less than a year, she realized that restricting or binging on foods was a symptom, not the actual core problem. She finally realized that her struggle had absolutely nothing to do with her body, but everything to do with her mind. And in order to make real change, like no BS, real change, she just had to start there. Now, four years in recovery, today's Woman of Impact is a certified professional coach whose story has been featured in Cosmo, the New York Post and the Doctors to name a few. She is also the author of the incredible book, Safety in Numbers, from 56 to £221, My Battle with Eating Disorders. It's a raw, honest, and traumatizing memoir of her 10-year battle with three forms of severe eating disorders, anorexia, binge eating, and bulimia. So please, help me in welcoming the woman who is now an advocate for those facing eating disorders and mental health issues. The woman who has dedicated her life to helping others find their paths towards recovery. And the woman who strives to be a role model and bring inspiration to those who have lost all hope. The remarkable Brittany Burgunder. Welcome to the show, my dear. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Your story is just absolutely incredible and the one thing i never want to assume is that like it's all good now you're fine um i know that that it has been an evolution for you Mm -hmm. but i actually want to start from the beginning and kind of work our way through and Mm -hmm. i have a quote i'd like to start with um so you said i was bullied constantly by my peers and i had no friends i -hmm. thought it was my fault i thought that there was something wrong with me Mm -hmm. maybe if i change myself people would like me And the reason why I wanted to start there is because I think that that's something that people struggle with so much, being accepted.
1: Yeah, so when I was young, I would go to school and I didn't have friends and I was getting bullied and I figured there must be something wrong with me because everyone's living these lives and they seem to be happy and have friends. And um, I started quickly looking to externals and thinking that maybe in order to be happy, you had to be successful. You had to be beautiful. You had to be a really talented athlete or get good grades. And I just figured there was some internal flaw within me so terrible that I believed externals would maybe make up for it. And I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself to reach Um, unrealistic expectations, maybe if I'm the best tennis player in the whole entire world, I'll be accepted and happy and have self-esteem and have friends. And maybe that will make up or hide what's so wrong with me. And I did did the same thing, sort of this black and white thinking, um, all or nothing. Either I have to be the best or I'm worthless. And that was just something I belief that stuck with me from a very young age.
0: Yeah, it never dawned on me. So growing up, I had a mother who um, was basically anorexic. I don't know if she ever labelled herself that, Mm -hmm. but um, I grew up seeing you know her eating very little and just kind of getting completely Mm -hmm. um, skinny. Um, And it never dawned on me that it was about the control. I always thought it was about the food. Yeah. So talk to me about the control element of
1: that. Yeah, I felt so out of control. Now for me. I couldn't control whether my peers were going to bully me or accept me. I tried really hard to be the best student and get the top grades, but I couldn't always control that. There were always going to be other people who maybe were smarter than I was. I couldn't control whether or not I was going to lose a tennis match. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon that pressure that I put on myself to be the best at everything, who can do that? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even think Superwoman can do that. Um, You know, pretty soon I was like, I can't do it anymore. And so I started um, turning to food. And my mind kind of came up with these weird games, like maybe I'll count calories or I'll try to, like, get my food or eat the same same thing every day. And it simplified my life, Mm -hmm. Uh, just being able to focus on food rather than what was really, really hurting me internally, which was anxiety and depression and loneliness and not having friends and just believing I was a bad person somehow. And so by distracting my mind by thinking about food Mm. and my body and my weight, that gave me a sense of control. However, early on, I didn't even know it was an eating disorder. Mm. I just knew that I would get instant gratification every time I saw the number on the scale get less or if I saw a slight change in my body or appearance I somehow believed maybe that's going to lead me to happiness maybe that will fill the holes in me that are empty right now and make me happy
0: yeah and It was in taking that control for yourself that seemed Mm. to have then spiraled you down into like Mm -hmm. severe anorexia and being hospitalized. And this is what I really, like I was excited to talk to you about because there's certain moments of control that I think can be amazing for you, right? Mm. It's like you're saying about the, you know, looking at the number on the scale for people who are unhealthy, overweight, taking control is actually good for them. Absolutely. But sometimes in your case, taking the control probably, in fact, was it the worst? that could have happened Mm -hmm. and how like have you been able to look at that control and be like okay this is when it's good for me and this isn't when it's good for me yeah
1: absolutely i mean back when i was really struggling i thought i was in control but in reality i was completely out of control Mm. um what for me now it's really a huge strength and what i had to realize was just in my recovery process through all of these eating disorders and everything i've been through um Change is scary when I think for anyone and especially for me, just the thought of change, um, especially taking that first step, it's so terrifying that you're just like you start thinking like how do I get from A to Z and how do I get from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mm-hmm. mountain and that's just not how it works. You don't change overnight and I kept putting a tremendous amount of pressure that oh my God, everything has to change. Like, that's too scary, that's too scary, I I can't do it. But um, it's really not about changing yourself, but just rearranging. Where are you putting that energy and that strength? I've always had, which helped me survive really unthinkable things. Um, I've always had a huge amount of fight and strength and perseverance, but I was putting all that energy into the wrong areas of Mm. myself and into the wrong outlets. And that's why I got to such really destructive places internally, which then bled out to external, um, my external life as well. But really, I had to rearrange my thinking one by one. And that led to change. But it was just transferring that same fight and energy towards positives within me.
0: All right, that's so freaking powerful. So let's break it down so that people who are listening or watching can actually use that in their own life. Yeah. Because I also don't actually think that you have to have had an eating disorder to re- be mm. able to relate to what you're talking no. about. Mm-hmm. I think it's any emotional struggle that you're going Absolutely. through. So let's break that down. So eventually you realize it's actually not good for you. But you right you don't realize this yeah. for so long. I mean, yeah. People are saying you're unhealthy You're about to die you're anorexic and you're still like hiding weights in your bra Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. clearly it wasn't people telling you no so what was that thing that made you take that shift and then how can people at home replicate that
1: yeah so and again like you said it really doesn't matter whether it's whether you're struggling with an eating disorder or you're just unhappy in your life whether you're struggling with your weight addiction um it they're all they share so many similarities Mm -hmm. and overlaps So for me, I really had to get to a a place everyone kept asking me, um, you know, do you want to die? And I told myself, no, I I don't want to die. But what no one ever really asked me and what I never asked myself was, do you want to live? And I had to think about that. And it hit me really hard because when I just reframed that question, I realized that, okay, I don't want to die. Like, but... Do I really want to live because I have one foot in destruction, and one foot in life, and so I'm just existing right now. And that felt safe, and that felt comfortable. However, was I happy? No. And so I really had to get honest with myself and say, look, you... you know where your eating disorder is going to take you. You know where not taking care of yourself is going to lead you. You're going to be unhappy. Um, But you're also terrified of really living, and you've never Mm -hmm. done that either. But right now, you're kind of just stuck. You're not taking a step in either direction. And I hit rock bottom in my mind. And that's where um, all my problems and... Wrongful thinking, that's where it all started. It was just how I mentally thought about myself. Mm -hmm. And then that turned into how I perceived the world and my surroundings. And that's also really where my healing began, is going back to my mind and just really breaking it down again and looking in the mirror and saying, no, you aren't a bad person. And Mm -hmm. I do want to live. And despite everything I've gone through, I can still change And I can take what I've gone through and actually use it as strength. And one by one, that started to slowly change my life. And it doesn't, again, happen overnight. I think the hardest part, too, with any sort of healing is that you can't see it, which was really hard for me, who was always clinging to external validations. And what I really had to do was find ways to go within myself and boost um my self-esteem hmm. uh, how,
0: how do you do yeah. that though because if you're in a situation where you've gone like you're like 56 pounds in the hospital yeah then you transition you start eating healthy everyone's encouraging you yeah. even though you're eating junk food right yeah. but people are like oh no yeah. you look great yeah and then you went too far over let's yeah. say and went up to 221 pounds yeah. how do you in that mist of being so like tumultuous, right? Your life mm-hmm. of like, we're losing weight, putting on too much. Yeah. You've got all this outside noise yeah. that I'm sure is screaming at you. How do you navigate all of that to then find yeah. that voice that allows yeah. you to dig deep?
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't know my own voice for ever. Mm. I did not know who I was. If you asked me anything about myself, I had just become so used to my identity being the girl with the eating disorder. Right. Or the girl who... I was the athlete. I was the good student. Mm -hmm. I was anything but Brittany, anything. And um, a big part of my healing was saying I need to learn how to validate myself alone. And without any sort of external um, feedback or any sort of external successes, I have to go and heal and I have to find out who I am by myself, who is Brittany, and is she good enough without... Straight A's? Is she good enough without a smile on her face? And what's so difficult about that process in any sort of healing is that it's very lonely and it does not happen overnight. And no one can see when you're changing your mind, it's not visible. Yeah. So if you're losing weight or if your body's mm-hmm. changing, um, it's easy to look in the mirror to have people say, Hey, look, you look different, you know, good job, and you've got, um, outside people congratulating you and being your cheerleader and when you're doing any sort of i think just healing that's going to last or if you're really trying to change your mind or if you're looking for something that is not going to be a quick fix but a change that will take you through your whole life then you're going to put in a tremendous amount of work that no one can see Mm -hmm. and it's um you have to be your own cheerleader and you have to say, OK, I'm working really hard, but it looks different than the type yeah. of work that you're doing. And you have to be OK with that and trust that you're lying. You're building a foundation that's going to then give you those things that you want.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And I didn't expect you to say that because so many people like the, people that I've had on the show, people that I talk outside to, most people say surround yourself with friends and family right like that's yeah. the, like how do you get out of this situation yeah. the answer I mostly 99% of the time get yeah. is be around friends and family but then how do you because you actually almost in a way like I get it but you kind of yeah. contradicted yourself as well yeah. by saying but it felt lonely yeah. but you always need to do it mm-hmm. so how on earth do you not yeah. let the loneliness take over mm-hmm. again and say to yourself no lonely. Being lonely right now is what I need. Yeah. I know, how would you, how do you yeah, navigate that? Yeah,
1: so I was very used to the company of my eating disorder. And oh. that, you know, because I didn't have a lot of friends anyway growing up and throughout a lot of my life. I never had good friends. I've been very fortunate to always have a very supportive family. Right. But besides that, it was just my, I had my eating disorder was sort of like my built-in worst best friend. And so without, oh. as I began to recover, my head got quieter because my eating disorder got, got quieter. No matter how many good friends I did meet or how supportive my family was, it had to come from me. And I think what was so difficult and what was really a wake-up call me, for me was I was the only one who could save myself. And... I kept thinking, you know, for being such a hardworking individual, I could never seem to recover. And I thought I would never recover from my eating disorder. I thought I would never change. And I felt I had exhausted every option. And I got to the point where I was so lonely. I was so fed up. I had no self-esteem. I didn't believe in myself at all. I wanted someone else to just say like, here's the magic wand. Here's the Mm. magic formula. Here's the magic diet. Here's the magic therapist. Here's the magic anything, move anything. I was willing to have anyone just tell me what to do. Mm. And none of it ever worked. It might last, it might've lasted very temporarily, Mm. but then all the bad All the bad thoughts that I had about myself or bad behaviors would soon come back. And really to change my life, I had to realize that I had to make the choice for myself. And my parents couldn't make my eating disorder go away. It wasn't my fault that I developed an eating disorder. And that's really important. It wasn't a choice. But as far as recovery and as far as wanting to change my life, only I could do it. And it didn't matter if I received the best treatment or no treatment. And for anyone else, if they're going through a tough time, support is so necessary. But ultimately, it has to come from you. Mm. And you have to have some sort of fire within, something that drives you, that's bigger than you. That will keep you going, even when you don't want to, even in those lonely moments.
0: So what was that fire for you?
1: For me it was everyone, it was the other people that were struggling that reached out to me. And eating disorders mm. and just mental health is so secretive and it's not talked about. And I began sharing my story and people were, they'd write me privately and be like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. And I thought I was the only one who had these crazy thoughts or who did these weird things or who hated myself and, um, And so it was really just hearing also that other people shared similar experiences that I went through and I realized that my voice was important. Maybe I can be that one person that they could look to in their darkest times that they don't have to go down to roads as dark as I did. Mm. And I really wanted that for others because I didn't have it when I was struggling. I always mentally think, all right, I pretend I'm talking to, like, my younger self or if someone comes to me or someone reaches out to me. I always think, you know, if it were me and if I were really back struggling with my anorexia, this one person and what they're saying, even a stranger, really could have changed my life. Maybe I can help them hang on, even if it's just for a week. Maybe I can help them move along in their life in a better way.
0: That's amazing. Um, how do you not get trapped in identity, right? Because... Yeah you've gone through evolution so you've <laughs> gone through being an anorexic you've mm-hmm. been labeled that and then mm-hmm. you get better and you become was binge clinic, eating binge eating clinically yeah. obese i'm not quite sure yes. what the correct term yeah. is and um, then you become that's your identity mm-hmm. and now you're the your identity is the recovering yeah so how do you actually not get yeah. trapped in any of those because even yeah. now even though it's amazing that you're in recovery mm-hmm. something inside me is telling me it's actually a little dangerous to then label
1: you that as well it's really difficult i have to and i have Gone. My relationship with myself and with just how much do I want to put my time mm-hmm. into helping others with eating disorder and this and that? How much do I want to talk about it? That has been such a difficult balance for me personally um, because, again, it's just the more you immerse yourself in it, it's kind of addicting. And it's kind of addicting, again, not in a necessarily a healthy way to attach your identity even to something positive. And so I definitely went through a period where I sort of felt like I have to be the perfect recovery Why? role model. And again, that's like exactly the opposite of what recovery is and mm-hmm. what I stand for. Recovery is, it's up and down, it's a roller coaster, it's anything but linear. And yet I was almost holding myself to this unrealistic standard that especially when talking about mental health where no, you know, it's such a sensitive topic. Everyone's going to have a different experience, but I was putting this pressure on myself that I have to be this perfect recovery voice for everyone struggling with anorexia, for struggling with binge eating disorder, for struggling with bulimia, for struggling with anxiety, depression, PTSD, mental health. How do I be? I can't say anything wrong. I have to be perfect. And Yet how I got, how I went through all that I went through and got to where I am now, it was through being so goddamn imperfect that, I mean, I was just, my life was a catastrophe. I was just, just this raging ball of chaos is probably what an outsider Mm. would have thought or what was going on in my mind. And so I'm very careful now with just boundaries. Mm. And I think doing all that internal work and really getting to know myself alone, to getting to know myself, who am I without the identity of a, a good student? Who am I without an eating disorder? Who am I um, without friends? Who am I without, you know an amazing job, or I really had to say, am I okay with myself, Brittany Burgunder, with nothing? And I had to get to know myself inside and out and look in the mirror and say, you know what? Yeah, I am proud of you and you are good enough. And no, you're not perfect and that's okay. And not everyone will like you and that's okay. And you can continue to grow and learn and you still are important in this world just as you are right mm-hmm. now. And that has carried over to help me now with, yeah, I'm a voice for recovery, but I have many other interests and I have other, and many other things that are important to me. And so I think again, it's just knowing that recovery, and that's a huge part of me and that's my passion. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's my purpose in life but it doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't label me and it doesn't confine me to a certain way because then I lose who I am. Um, so I do have a good balance between doing the work I'm passionate about, but then also making sure my mind is filled with other content that inspires me and motivates me and helps me grow as an individual. And then I get on the tennis court and I go have fun. And you know, I, mm-hmm. I got a puppy. I have, you know, I have good friends, but there has to be a balance. Mm -hmm. And what it comes down to is if I lost this or that, Mm -hmm. or if I go through a hardship, if I have a challenge in my life, if social media was gone, if my business was gone, if I could never play tennis again, would I still be a good person? Mm -hmm. Would I still be, could I still look in, in the mirror and say, you have value? And I do but it took me a really long time and a lot of alone time to get to that point
0: yeah and I assume it's never ending right I mean even Mm -hmm. now people look at you you're very articulate very well spoken Mm -hmm. you're able to really take ownership of your past and Mm -hmm. what you've learned and you know you're so incredible and I have been so inspired for you from you um for so many years Mm -hmm. um but how do you make sure that you don't let that then keep you where you are and you're still able to keep growing
1: yeah I, again, I start looking probably to new people Mm -hmm. and new ways to challenge my mind. And for me, if something scares me, I have to do it because I know that's what's going to help me grow. And for me, like being a voice for recovery or the eating disorder world, I guess you could say I'm I'm good at it because I I know it, but it doesn't challenge me and it doesn't Mm -hmm. help me grow. And so I've really learned that, There is really the best thing you can do is be a beginner in life and in many different things. And to realize that you're not starting over from square one, but it's amazing to learn.
0: The one thing I love about change in general is um, being able to learn something new, evolving, Mm -hmm. evolving. I find, and maybe you can talk about this, um, about self-sabotaging, right? So it's like you're on a path, you're doing great, and yet as human beings, Mm -hmm. I'm not alone, you're not alone. I'm sure everyone listening to this has done this at some point in their life, where they self-sabotage. And when I think about it, it's not like people mean to. So talk to me about that. How the hell do we recognize that we're self-sabotaging and then change that?
1: Yeah, Um, I did this all the time. I do it still. I'm just, I'm laughing because I'll do it on the tennis court. Even I'll be maybe winning a match and then I'll start, then my mind will start getting really busy and I'll start thinking, no, you're not good enough. Like, no, you don't deserve to win or no, no, you don't. And then I'll, I'll start, you know, I'll end up losing the match maybe because I just end Mm -hmm. up beating myself. And I think there's some sort of, at least for me, pressure that If I win or if I'm happy or Mm. if I succeed, there's this pressure that I have to keep it up. Pressure that you put on yourself. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And so in a way, I think I would often self-sabotage because that was almost easier to just beat myself first. And it was almost this shield because then someone else didn't have to beat me. I felt like I was in control because then it was easier for me to say, what if rather than I lost. Oh, interesting. Um, Self-sabotage is something that we all do no matter who you are, no matter where you are in your Mm. life. And it's how do you get out of your own way? How um, How do you use your strengths? And again, it's a confidence issue, I think, a little bit. It's just saying, no, you know what? I worked hard for this. And I don't have to... I don't have to somehow feel bad for taking up space in the world. Wow. And
0: That's crazy. I did not (laughs) expect that answer, by the way, because for me, when I think about in the past when I was younger, when Mm -hmm. I used to self-sabotage, it was more to kind of reassure myself, see, you knew you couldn't do it, you know, versus the... Mm -hmm. you know, the what if is like what you said. Yeah. Like it, to me, that never
1: even occurred to me. So for me, and, and I hear that a lot. And I, that of course was sort of, I would self-sabotage in that way too at times. Mm. Some, if things were going well in my life in the past, sometimes I would just be like, you know what, things are going too well. And then I would just turn to my eating disorder because things going well was uncomfortable for me. I was comfortable not being happy. Yeah. Wow. And so in a way for me, I grew up getting very used to and comfortable feeling worthless. And I got comfortable feeling unhappy. And so as much as that's not what I wanted, it's what I felt I deserved. And so every time I began to feel happy, I was like, no, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something, some catastrophe is going to happen. And so I wanted to self-sabotage to make sure that I had control over whatever happy thing that was going on. So, and it was sort of like, again, going back to my childhood and bullying. Mm. um, I felt that if I rejected myself first, then if a person did, it didn't hurt so much because I beat them to it. Mm -hmm. I had that control. Mm -hmm. I bullied myself first. And then going through recovery, I realized, no, instead of, rejecting myself first I can accept myself first. How do you actually do that then? Yeah, well, that's years and years of work and sitting, you know, sitting alone in a room crying and getting angry and letting out all those emotions. But, like, if you can give, let's say, three tips or actual things
0: that people yeah. can do right now if they're mm-hmm. in that situation. I get it. Yeah. Look, everyone listening, <laughs> please understand this. We're never going to be able to give you, oh, like you said, like the mm-hmm. golden ticket yeah. to be, like, completely recovered. Right. So what are the things that at least people can maybe try to help
1: them get there? Mm-hmm it's really daunting to think I have to change, I have to give up everything. Okay. So think about it as I'm just rearranging parts of my life one by one, you just taking that fight and energy you're putting into your eating disorder, you're slowly going to rearrange it and take some of that energy and put it into a new outlet in your life. And that's really the first step is just to any sort of change is take, realize that, You are way more capable and way stronger than you think. You just have to rearrange that energy and where you're putting it
0: right how do you know to listen to that voice though because if you've mm-hmm. got that voice that for so long 10 years yeah. right has been saying you're you're not good enough yeah you know um, see you're not worth yeah. worthy like all this stuff that just yeah. 10 years of that is yeah. a lot mm-hmm. so going okay i want to make that first step i'm not happy yeah. um tell yourself that you're worthy yeah. how do you actually believe it or do you not yeah. believe it at
1: first you know what, honestly, at first you're not going to believe it. Right. So it's going to take, you really have to go within and say, you know what, I'm not happy. I'm going to put my trust in someone else, in mm. something else. And hey, tell yourself, and this is what I did, um, is that, you know what, try it. If you don't like it, just go back to your eating disorder. Go back to your same familiar. Mm. I mean, that's almost an awful thing to say, but it's blunt. And it's sometimes it's, it's the tough love you need to kind of take that first step is realize look if it's too scary, if recovery is really too mm. scary, if being happy is really too scary if living a better life, just go back just go back. If you need that safety net, you know just take it one step at a time but um, you're not going to believe it yeah and it took me years before I could actually believe it for myself and I needed a lot of other people to kind of say like, no, you are a good person, mm. you, Um, you should love yourself, or you don't need your eating disorder. It is harmful. It is this, it is that. And um, I didn't believe them, but it it works over time, just hearing that positive reinforcement away from what your eating disorder, Mm. just away from the negative um, habits that you have. You do need other people to say like, no, this is, this is a better path, this is a better path, this is a better path. And the more you keep doing that and hearing that and trying it then for yourself, um, it starts to become your own truth and you do start to believe it, but it's a very slow process.
0: Yeah, the reason why I ask is that was actually one thing that I started doing. So, you know, mm-hmm. as you know, I've been suffering suffering from um, about three years of digestive issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I started to identify as a sick person, the yeah. person that can't go out and eat at yeah. restaurants. And yeah. you become this type yes. of person. And then mm-hmm. everyone starts to treat you like yeah. that. And yeah. I remember it really hitting me thinking, mm-hmm. this is dangerous. Yeah. I'm actually going down a dangerous path yeah. right now. And mm-hmm. I need to stop identifying myself yeah. as a sick person. So what I did, mm-hmm. my mum... God bless her. Yeah. She would keep asking me, like, "Oh my God, are you okay? Is everything yeah. fine? What yeah. can I do?" And she, mm-hmm. because she cares, yes. I started to realize it was yeah. that was detrimental to my mindset yeah. because it's mm-hmm. reminding me that I'm sick. Right. It's putting my mind right. into the victim mode. Right. And so exactly. I, I actually sat her down. I said, "Mom, I need you to stop saying yeah. this." And she's yeah. like, "But I want you to know you I care." And I said, yeah. "Okay, this is the these are the words I need you to say. Mm-hmm. I know you care, yeah. but it's going to help me keep in a positive yeah. mindset." And um, I Absolutely. And I said to her, Mom, tell me um, yeah. what is great in your life right now. Yeah. Tell me an exciting yeah. thing that's just happened in your diet, right? Instead mm-hmm. of it being the negative, yeah. like, oh, my God, you're sick are you okay. Yeah. It's
1: just the perspective. Yeah. So, I, absolutely. I, so I actually told people this is the... I did get to that point okay, too, absolutely, oh, yeah. Where And the same with my family. I have a very similar example is that they just they love me and they care so much about me. My parents had to live so many years with mm. me avoiding food or wanting special food or binging or then starving or this or that, that sometimes they forget, or my mom, God bless her, she'll be like, Brittany, you know, this is what we're having for dinner tonight. Is that okay? And I'm kind of like, I'll eat anything. Of course it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, but, but again, it is just sort of reminding your loved ones that, yeah, actually, this is what I do need to hear. And it's being brave enough. I think sometimes we we're so ashamed of being imperfect people or maybe having a struggle that we keep our mouths shut and we don't speak up and say, I, this label that is somehow unhealthy because we'll start labeling ourselves. Other people are going to label us no matter what. But the most dangerous is to label, to put a label on ourselves because then we're putting a ceiling on ourselves and we're inhibiting any growth. And so it is realizing that you know what my recovery is important to me and as hard as it is I'm going to somehow blurt out the words that these are the boundaries I need and it's making those decisions for yourself and again you have to you have to get to a point in your life where you you do want to live and you value yourself enough that you will speak up for what you know is going to help you move forward and that is sometimes um you know, confronting others and saying, this is good for me and this isn't. And yeah. you have to be okay with that. I love that. Um, um,
0: talk to me about your book. Yeah. So you, the memoirs, you mm-hmm. wrote all throughout your, the 10 years of yeah. kind of the evolution of what you've been going through. Yeah. Um, and then you've published it. So talk
1: to me about yeah. why you called it that. In fact, I find fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was never supposed to be a book. I started journaling in a diary when I was very young. And since I was very secretive and I didn't talk to my parents about my eating disorder, I didn't talk to therapists. I didn't open up to them about what was really going on in my head. And so every day I would journal obsessively, obsessively, detail for detail what happened during each day. And Mm -hmm. often it was my eating disorder talking like these are the tips and tricks I did and I lost weight or I did this or I did that this is it was very OCD like this is how much exercise I did but then it was also a way to just put on paper this madness that I felt in my head like why do I feel so crazy and it was just like this venting outlet Mm. for me because I didn't speak to anyone so over (laughs) Over ten years I just kept writing and writing and writing. And um, I never expected it to be a book, and I never certainly would have expected to publish it without even editing it or trying to neatly sort of changing it. Yeah. And what I ended up with was just stocks of hundreds and hundreds of diaries. And one day I kind of realized, gosh, I, I wonder what's actually in those. And um, I kind of lined them all up in order because they're they all, have, they're all dated. Yeah. And it flowed like, like a book in a way where it held a story of my journey. But um, I chose after tremendous amounts of back and forth debate Mm -hmm. do I publish this or do I not and do I publish it as is or do I go back in and try to put myself in a more flattering light and I felt that a lot of people could maybe find themselves in what I wrote and so I decided to just put it out there as How did you take that courage? Because there's one thing, what, yeah, <laughs> yeah. one thing saying like,
0: no, no, like I really want to. But it's another actually putting it out there mm-hmm. and actually having yeah. just so many people reading your yeah. thoughts back then. Like yeah. that is, a, if you had to ask me what is yeah. one of the most terrifying things, <laughs> that is probably one of yeah.
1: them. I, um, yeah, it was definitely a very hold my breath kind of, do I really want to do this? Yeah. And um. It, it certainly, I think the hardest part for me was, are people going to realize, because reading this book, if you don't know me, right. you're going to think I'm just this crazy, crazy person. But I felt that, no, actually, that is a power that I have, that I've been fortunate with a wonderful family and um, you know, a wonderful life, and this is still what happened. And now here mm. I am fortunate enough to... in recovery Mm -hmm. so you know what why not open up the doors to you know my very personal life and say despite this pretty smile you see that I tried to make you believe behind that I would just smile all the time and um, I, I never wanted anyone to know how bad it was but I figured that if I could hide it so well that other people should know they're not alone, and I really felt just such passion and purpose knowing that maybe it'll help one person, and that that drove me to do it. Yeah. I just thought if I have the possibility or opportunity to reach one individual who might need to hear these words. Um, it is absolutely worth it
0: yeah it's interesting because what i notice with many people going back to it not just being weight but like other mm-hmm. things is when people have struggled the most right when yeah. they've hit their rock bottom mm-hmm. they've gotten there because usually because of negative talk and yeah. things like that they've yeah. gotten there and then they've been able to spin it around and then use it as their biggest strength and yes. i feel like you're yeah. what you've been through is your biggest strength it is. um but yet, mm-hmm. we still find people dying
1: yeah. from
0: yeah. things that they do, whether it's food-related mm-hmm. or suicide, right. from mental illnesses. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's really the people who are willing to get out of denial. And there's all these stages. I mean, there's stages of denial, um, bargaining, anger, depression, and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I what I notice is probably the biggest key difference for those who continue to struggle and Mm -hmm. those who really have a shot at changing their life is realizing they have a problem. Mm -hmm. And realizing that, um, like you said, the word admitting is getting out of denial and understanding that I'm not okay. And, and you can just stop there because that's, that step alone is huge, but there are some people and many people, and I was like this for years where I didn't even realize I had a problem. I was 56 pounds and I thought I was fat, and I was 56 pounds and I thought I was fine to go back to college. So I didn't realize I had a problem at all. That just didn't even enter my radar. So, really, the first step is pausing and realizing I do have a problem. And then you, and and that's really the split, yeah. the first difference that kind of splits the two in half. Because those who will stop and say, "Yeah, what I'm doing is not okay. Yeah, I do have a problem," they have a chance within them to then, over time, reach out for support or realize maybe I want to change. Mm. Um, but it, it's if you don't really reach that place of pause where. You can understand and, and just get out of denial, then it's super easy to just kind of continue living the life you know yeah. and the life you know might be a terror you know the life that's killing you, but you just have no, you have no idea how good life can get mm. if you stay there. What I'm really excited about and what I feel um, will be very helpful to other people is kind of going back to what you were saying about my first book is that it was not supposed to be a book and it doesn't really end much even speaking about my recovery, but I continued to journal and I continued to write long after that book was published. And um, it's only part one of my story. I was going to say, it's a trilogy, yeah, right? it is. And so it was really, I think, the biggest part that, made me nervous was that people would read this book and they would think sort of that's it that's how she did it or like that's her Mm -hmm. story like this doesn't seem real to me this doesn't even seem like recovery how do you go through Mm -hmm. all these horrific things and then not take steps to actually heal your life because none of that's in my first book so um, that was where I sort of felt like a fraud for a while after that book was published is oh. I was afraid that people would look at me like you're you're not the real deal or like I just read your book you sound crazy like mm. what did you how did you heal and so the next two books though that will tell the rest of my story and I think really hopefully help other people see that recovery is this wild roller coaster. It's going to flip you upside down and this and that. And it's all over the place. My recovery was, uh, it was much harder than mm-hmm. my any of my eating disorders. But that was the worthwhile journey that has given me, it's opened every door I was seeking from the very beginning, that true happiness, those friends. And at the end of the day, just realizing that I never had, there, there was never anything wrong with me in the first place. I was never a flawed human being. I don't need externals to define me. I am my own person. And all these thing, other things in my life, those are nice bonuses. Maybe They're nice strengths that I have, but I alone am still a person of value.
0: So. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on. Before I ask my last question, where can these guys find you online and check out your book and all that good stuff? Absolutely.
1: Probably the first best place is my website, BrittanyBurgunder.com, that has access to all my links and social media and things that I'm doing. Um, Otherwise, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, at Brittany Burgunder. That's probably my favorite social media app. my book if you're interested in it it's on amazon uh amazing yeah awesome
0: and last question what is your superpower
1: my superpower is taking any hardship or any challenge and turning it into my greatest strength and helping others do the same
0: bam mic drop right there girl guys guys this woman is so incredible what I actually didn't get a chance to tell you is that um, I actually have known Brittany now for probably three and a half, four years Um, she found Quest Protein Bars and reached out to the marketing team and the media team and since then for three and a half to four years this woman has been on my radar, she comments she posts, she supports everything I do, the company does, Quest Nutrition does, Impact Theory Women of Impact, like when I say this woman which she has said before that she actually does go in and look at like motivational things she really means it and every day she's not only ingesting but she's actually putting it out there to encourage others like the amount of comments this woman has written to me to encourage me for this show for the companies everything that I'm doing is just so remarkable so when you have someone like her who goes through so many struggles so many issues is still trying to work on herself still trying to overcome these problems and yet she takes time to encourage others like when i say this woman is incredible that's what i mean that's the level of just admiration and respect that i have for this woman so guys you've got to go check her out you've got to check out her content you've got to check out her book and just remember live by the words that she said do you want to die or do you want to live like it's that simple i my Mm -hmm. friend want to live So. Thank you so much for coming. Thank Guys, you. check it out. Subscribe to this channel. Um, join me at Instagram at Lisa Billu. And until next time, go be the superhero of your own life.